in pursuit of more than anything? Well, Jesus talked about our primary pursuit. And here's what he said. Do not store up for yourselves. We already read this for the offering, but let's look at it again because he's talking about what we seek and where our hearts are. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now here's the truth about you and me. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where your heart is, is where you put your treasure. Then Jesus said in verse 33, Here's what I want you to do as my children. I want you to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. And if you do, all these things, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, the natural necessities of life are going to be given to you by God, by Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides as a side benefit to having sought first the kingdom of God. What a great promise. So say with me, get your priorities right. That's a priority passage. Now, Lord, thank you for your word, and we pray that you will bless it today. Help us as a church to get our priorities where they ought to be. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say with me, first? All right, that's what we're going to be talking about today. You can be seated, and thank you so much. And let me just... Let me just talk to you about this again this week. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing in life is that we learn to keep the main thing in life the main thing. I believe that that's one of the primary battles of every believer, particularly believers in the West, where we have so many distractions, so many things that call for our attention, call for our time, the busyness of life, we are like the, the, the struggle that was illustrated with Mary and Martha. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his word. Martha was busy, busy, busy about so many things. Jesus said, careful and troubled and uptight about so many busy things, she could not concentrate on what Jesus said really mattered, which was listening to his word. Every person in this room was attacked this week by the enemy who tried to get you distracted from listening to his word and from putting him first. Our enemy is a master distractor. He knows that he can try to tempt us, bring problems, bring stresses, bring things that cause us to get our attention off to making him first. Because powerful things when you make happen when you make Jesus first. When you put the kingdom first. Now, Jesus said this about you and me. He said that everybody gets up in the morning with certain desires and certain pursuits that they believe, once they obtain them, are going to make them happy and satisfy them and fulfill them. So everybody, according to Jesus, wakes up chasing something. We are like raccoons. If you've ever had a raccoon, and I had one, you know this about raccoons. They're always looking for things that glisten and glitter, and they will go for steel and metal and things that glitter, and they will take them and put them into a little area where they gather their treasure. They're, they're attracted to gathering treasure. 
We're just like that. There's not a person in here or a person listening by radio that doesn't have a treasure. Something that you have crowned as the primary, most important treasure, most important pursuit in your life. Jesus broke down our treasures into two categories, earthly or heavenly. You're going to have one or the other. And he said you can't serve two of them. We have been wired, hardwired by God to be monogamous in our treasure. He said you cannot make a treasure God and make another treasure the things of this world and have that work out for you. You will crown one thing or another as your primary treasure. There's no way around it. We're hardwired that way because God made us to worship. Now, it's either going to be an earthly treasure or a heavenly one. Your treasure is whatever you have decided is highly valuable and worth spending your life to get. That's your treasure. And you know what? We're going to choose our treasure based on what we believe about the hot-button issues like God, eternity, eternal life, eternal rewards, or the lack thereof. We're going to choose our treasure based on what we believe. In other words, if you believe this is all there is, that there isn't anything more, then the bumper sticker will be true of you. You will believe this. He who dies with the most toys wins. But you know what I think? Let me, let me tell you something about those toys. You won't take one of them with you. You'll spend your whole life to get them, but you won't take one of them with you. Your motto will be, eat, drink, and, and be merry, because tomorrow we die, and then that's all there is. But if you don't believe that, if you believe this is not all there is, but there is something beyond, and there is going to be a place called heaven, and there is going to be a God that we're going to answer to, and He is going to divvy out rewards for how we live this life, then what you choose as your treasure is going to undergo a change. Your treasure reveals what you believe what's your treasure today is it money is it fame is it security is it possessions is it that certain level on the corporate ladder is it esteem is it respect is it stuff is it that home you've always dreamed of the white picket fence the dog running around in the front yard the american dream can I tell you something today? The church needs to be delivered from the American dream. So, Pastor, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty bizarre statement because I like the American dream. Hey, what Jesus offers us is so much higher and wider and deeper than the American dream. The American dream is that house and that white picket fence and that security and that 401K and that gold watch when you resign and golfing until the day that you die having stuff, but the kingdom of God is so much more than stuff. It's so much more than things. It's so much more than riches. Jesus didn't come to give us the American dream. He came to give us the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is so much more. It's so much more. If your treasure is heavenly, then Jesus said you would awaken each day 
seeking first the kingdom of God, knowing that that's where the real riches are. The real riches are peace with God. The real riches are a delivered conscience, your guilt being lifted. The real riches are knowing that you have been redeemed. The real riches are walking with God and hearing His voice and knowing His presence and fellowshipping with Him and worshiping Him. The real, real reward of heaven is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to Jesus, whatever your treasure is is exactly how you're going to spend your time, your energy, your talents, and your resources. Whatever your treasure is. And the Bible says the mark of spiritual maturity, if you want to know what spiritual maturity is, one of the marks of it is reaching the place where we treasure the things of God more than anything else. Now, Jesus assured us something about earthly treasures. Now, he wasn't against having things or stuff. He wasn't against that at all. He didn't call us to go live in a cave and renounce all material things. That's not it. He's not against the earthly treasures. But he did say, if you make earthly treasure your primary, first thing treasure, they're not going to satisfy the deep longings of your soul. He taught us that earthly treasures can be lost. He said moth and rust will corrupt them. Thieves can break in and steal them. The government can take your money away more and more and more. The Bible says, cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. One day you've got them, and one day they're gone. They are uncertain. The Bible says that earthly treasure can bring false hope. You think earthly treasure is going to fulfill you, answer all of your desires and wants, make you happy. But the Bible is very clear that earthly treasure does not make you happy. Even the Beatles knew that money can't buy you love. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. See, if you put your hope in God, you will never regret it. It's the hope that makes us not ashamed. You never come up empty when you put your hope in God. But you will come up empty if you put your hope in riches that can be stolen or compromised. I read recently of tennis star Boris Becker. I love tennis. And I was reading about this incredible, prodigious player, Boris Becker. If you know tennis, you know Boris Becker. Burst on the tennis world overnight in the 1980s, became the number one player in the world, six-time Grand Slam singles champion, Olympic gold medalist, and the youngest ever winner of the men's singles title at Wimbledon at the age of 17. A prodigy. Yet Boris Becker reached a place in his life where he was on the brink of suicide. He confessed in a magazine interview, quote, I was rich. I had all the natural possessions I needed, yet I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string. And Becker is not alone. Listen to me, church, and everybody by radio, listen carefully. I wish I could tell all of America this. Boris Becker echoes the hollow life of a culture that has pursued earthly treasure to the exclusion of God and come up empty-handed. 
author Jack Higgins, who wrote blockbuster novels like The Eagle Has Landed, was asked what he would like to have understood as a boy, what he, what he wished he had known as a boy. And he replied amazingly, stunningly to the interviewer. He said that when you get to the top, there is nothing there. If you make earthly treasure your goal, getting the money, the house, the car, the things, the stuff, you will wake up empty. I read of Judy Garland, the beautiful, beautiful woman with a beautiful voice who only made it to 47 years old. She said, so much for fame, I just wish I had somebody who loved me. Jesus could have saved these gifted but disillusioned people a lot of trouble and heartache if they had listened to him. One day he told a rich young ruler, if you want to give it all you've got, go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor, put all your wealth in heaven. Then come and follow me. The Bible goes on to say that was the last thing the young man expected to hear. Crestfallen. He walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, but he couldn't bear to let go. Holding on tight to stuff. When stuff is not the answer. Seek God. He'll give you the stuff. As long as he's first. It wasn't that Jesus was against this young man having wealth. and He's not against anybody having wealth. What he's against is the wealth having you. So here's the promise from Matthew 6, 33. If you and I seek first the kingdom of God and its king, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not reach the end of your life guaranteed disillusion, regretting your decision. Jesus taught, if you're going to chase something, chase the kingdom. If you're going to pursue something, pursue the kingdom. Put it first. Make it first. Make it numero uno. Put it at the top of your list. Make it number one on your memo list. You seek first the kingdom. But now I'm a word guy. I tell you that all the time. I, if I read a word or read a phrase, I want to know what it means. So when he tells me that to seek the kingdom of God, if I'm sitting out there, you know, I don't know what that means. Kingdom of God, it's a kingdom I can't see. If he told me to, you know, seek California, I could go to California. Seek Dallas, I could go to Dallas. He said, kingdom of God. How can I seek a kingdom that is invisible to me? What does that mean? Well, the word kingdom comes from a Greek word that means this. Real important here. It means to rule to reign, to walk under the rule or reign of a king. So when he says, seek first the kingdom of God, here's what he's actually saying. The kingdom of God has a king. That king's name is Jesus. And you, as a child of God, are to learn how to live under the rule and the reign of that king. You are to seek how best to, to live under the lordship, rulership, kingship of King Jesus. Now, I want you to listen carefully today because I'm going to tell you something a lot of Christians don't understand. And I want us to get it today. Listen carefully to this statement. You did not get saved and I did not get saved just to get a ticket to heaven. No, when you and I got saved, we were also translated into a new kingdom. Now, let me give you an illustration. One time, I decided I would go take a mission trip to Singapore. And Singapore is a beautiful, beautiful place. 
But to go to Singapore, first thing I had to do was I had to get a passport. I went and got the passport. And once I had that passport, then watch. I could leave one kingdom and go to another. I could leave one country and go to another. But you can't go to another country without a passport. Had to have that passport. Then I got into this beautiful jet. We took off. took about 10, 12 hours to get there. And right when we were about 20 minutes from landing in Singapore, here comes the flight attendant, and she handed me a piece of paper. And I looked at this piece of paper, and on this piece of paper was the announcement, we are about to land in the country of Singapore. And Singapore has its own rules and its own laws. And then as I read further down the piece of paper, I saw that on this piece of paper were the rules and the laws and the principles for living in the place called Singapore. What was she informing me of? She was telling me, I want you to understand, you have left America. You are now in Singapore. You are no longer in the country of America. Now you are in Singapore And in case you didn't know it, Singapore is not America. And you're going to have to learn the ways of Singapore in order to live successfully in Singapore and enjoy your visit in Singapore. So I read it. And I read it. It shocked me. You can't spit a piece of gum on the sidewalk in Singapore. I got rid of my gum quick because they said you will go to jail or you would be caned. So me and Sonny, who I was with, we got rid of our gum and never chewed it again the whole time we were there, lest we forget. But you see, Singapore was not America. Are you with me now? Singapore was different. And to live there, to move there, to function there, to enjoy it there, you had to learn the ways and the rules and the principles of living in Singapore. The exact same thing happened to every person in this sanctuary when you said, Jesus Christ, forgive me, come into my heart. When you did that, you were translated from one kingdom into another. My actors are supposed to be there. They are. Now I have a skit going on up here. Y'all welcome them with a great big hand. (laughs) Now I want you to get this so bad that I wanted to give you an illustration. Now, the guy with the white tie on, that's the devil. And here's his demons. Now, listen carefully to what the Bible says. Oh, I want us to get this today because we've got to understand so much more happened when you got saved than you just got a ticket to heaven. The Bible says in Colossians 1.13, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. What did he call it? Kingdom of darkness. A kingdom has a king. When you're in a kingdom, you've got to submit to the rules of the kingdom. And what happened? You were transferred into the kingdom of God's dear Son. You aren't just going to heaven someday. It's not just for the hereafter, but you got saved for the here and the now. Now watch this. Here's you and I before we got saved. Man, I'll tell you, they're going to beat me up. But it's worth the illustration. Watch this now. Here's what the Bible says about you and me. The things I wanted to do, I did not do. The things I didn't want to do, that's what I did. 
Paul said, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Because when you are in the kingdom of darkness, there is a king. And the Bible says in Ephesians, let's put it up there, I want to show you what it says. The Bible says in Ephesians, once you were dead, when you were in the kingdom of darkness, you were spiritually dead. You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. It goes on. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. And what does it say next? Read it to me good and loud. You are obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Do you remember the days you said to yourself, why can't I stop doing what I'm doing? When I don't want to do it, I do it. I'm locked in sin. I'm chained. I'm bound. I don't know why I'm living the life that I'm living. I want out. But guess what? When you're in the kingdom of darkness, a New Year's resolution won't get you out. When you're in the kingdom of darkness, rehabilitation doesn't break these chains. When you're in the kingdom of darkness, the greatest willpower in all the world will not snap these fetters. Why? Because you're in a kingdom. You are in a world spiritually. And it's a world of darkness, despair, lostness, bound, chained, fettered. You want to be free, but you can't get free. You try so many things. You read books. You go to seminars but to get free. But you can't get free because something invisible is wrapped around your life. Chains. And what does the Bible say? The devil is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. It goes on. It says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. We were bound up by our very nature. We were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. I wanted out, but I couldn't get out. I wanted free, but I couldn't get free. This is why Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And he whom the Son frees is free indeed. But watch this. One day, somebody gave me a passport. Here it is. And you know what's in this passport? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And when I heard that, I said, Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart and forgive me of all of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me and rose again from the dead. And when I said that, what happened? Jesus took them all. And then, watch this, I was in one kingdom, but now I'm being taken to another kingdom. Not just a ticket to heaven, but I have been moved from a kingdom of darkness where the king was the devil and I was in bondage to him. And now I have a new king, a new kingdom, and a new citizenship because I have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear son. And how did it happen? Only one way. Listen carefully to me. This is the only way. 
you will ever be moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear Son. It only happens by the red blood. It only happens by Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And when you believe it, friend, in this life, here Jesus said the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is within you. What is the kingdom of God? The Bible says it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is a condition. Heaven is a place we will go to. But a king, uh, the kingdom of God is a condition we enjoy right here and right now because we have been moved from one kingdom to another. Thank you, everybody. <clears throat> and by the way, that's, that's Pastor Jason's real hair. Give him a hand one more time. See, I want you to understand that now you're in Singapore. And what that means is since we are right now in this life, living in the kingdom of God and no longer in the kingdom of darkness, then we've got to learn the way this kingdom operates. How many of you want to enjoy the kingdom of God? Righteousness. How many of you want peace? And how about joy in the Holy Spirit? So we have been moved from one kingdom to another. One day we'll go to heaven, but in the meantime, we're experiencing and enjoying, should be, the kingdom of God. The message of Matthew 6.33 is this. We're not just saved for the hereafter, but we're saved for the here and now. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God now. What was he saying? Since you have been moved from America to Singapore, from darkness to light, from the kingdom of the enemy to the kingdom of God's Son, then learn how to live in that new kingdom. And the more you learn and the more you do it, the more you will experience the righteousness, the peace, and the joy of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing we have got to know is that if the kingdom is going to work, if Christianity is going to work, it's got to be first. Amen. Jesus said, now that you're in the kingdom of God, I want you to seek it. I want you to seek how to live under the king. I want you to learn to seek. I want you to learn how to live according to the principles of the new kingdom that you are now in. You are in the kingdom of God in the spiritual arena. Darkness no longer prevails over you. Sin no longer has dominion over you. The chains have been broken. The blood has set you free. You have been moved to a new place. Now the call of God is for us to learn to live in that new place, function in that new place, learn the principles of that new place. And the first thing is it's got to be first. You've got to wake up, and the kingdom of God's got to be first. Now, I know this is sounding like, well, that's really hyper-spiritual, Pastor. I'm just a normal person. I go through the normal motions of life. So do I. And let me tell you what I've learned to do. Because I want the kingdom of God to work. I want to enjoy righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost every day. So I've learned that if I put it second, third, last, leftovers, just sort of, well, if I can get to you, Lord, I will. I walk around frustrated, dry, discouraged, needing a word from God. So I've learned this. I've learned that when I wake up, seek first the kingdom of God. 
So I, I go to a place that is quiet. Anybody in here want to grow? Let me see if you want to grow. How many of you want to enjoy the kingdom you're in, like it or not? I get up in the morning, and I get to a place that is quiet, and I open up the Word. And I, here's why. Because it says, set your affections on things above, and not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, you're not in the same kingdom anymore. Satan doesn't rule you. He's no longer your king. You're no longer under his sway. You no longer have to obey him. You have a new king. So I open up the Word, and I read the Bible because I want to know that morning, that day, what God has to say to me. I want to renew my mind. I want to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to me. I want to get filled with the Spirit. I want His peace to rule my mind. I want His peace to rule my heart. I want to walk out the door full of faith and not fear, full of power and not weakness. I want the Lord resting on my life, and I have learned the kingdom of God works only when it is first. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, my. I guarantee you, let's talk about the Cowboys for a minute. When they're winning, even if some of you, when they're not, you'll do anything to be there. Listen, you're not there when the game starts. You're there when pregame starts. You're watching the TV leading up to the game. And you will move heaven and earth. You will miss church. You will do all kinds of things to be there when the Cowboys play. When you want to put something first, you will put it first. And so will I. Don't look at me so holy and so serious, y'all. <laughs> Pastor, now you're really meddling when you talk about the cowboys. I know human nature. If you want to put it first, it'll be first. So you get up in the morning, you say, well, I want to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm in the kingdom of God, so it's got to be first. So everybody say with me, first. first. Why did Jesus tell us to put it first? Because he knew that if we put it first, we would not miss a day away from God. So put it first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Examine your priorities. They can get so mixed up, can't they? Who's on the throne? Who do we serve first? Is our allegiance with the new kingdom? Or do we still have one foot in the kingdom we were rescued from? What gets our first attention, our first time, our first in importance? What gets it? Good morning, America. Can I tell you, good morning, America will not get you in the Spirit. Now, second, second, Matthew 6, wants us to check whether our heart is centered on earthly treasures from our former kingdom, or is it centered upon the riches of the new kingdom? Set your affection on things above, your love, your affection, your, your heart on the things above, this word, the kingdom of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, not on things of the earth. The king of the kingdom is looking at the hearts of those who are in his kingdom. My son, the proverb says, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Well, pastor, I wish my heart was there, but sometimes I just don't feel it. That's okay. Fake it till you make it. Read the word when you don't feel it. Pray when you don't feel it. You know, I've found out about the Word of God. The more I read it, the more I want to. The more I pray, the more I want to. The less I read it, the less I want to. And the less I pray, the less I want to. And the less I go to church, the less I want to. 
See, you have a will, and your will says, I'm going to act like it's first in my affection until it's first in my affection. And finally, are we living by the principles of the new kingdom? Because we are now in a new kingdom, and the old ways don't work anymore. For instance, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to read like that little slip of paper that flight attendant gave me, she gave me this piece of paper and said, here's some of the laws. You need to read it before you land in the new kingdom called Singapore. Jesus gave us the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the readout of how the kingdom of God works. Let me give you an example. He said, instead of holding grudges and criticizing and staying angry and staying mad, I want you to forgive others. That's the way of the kingdom of God. That wasn't the way of the kingdom you came out of, but it's the way of the kingdom of God. He said in the new kingdom, you better watch your heart, not just your actions. Watch your heart, for that's where murder and adultery start. They start in the heart. So instead of worrying just about action, deal with your heart. Let God have your heart. Get the hatred and the lust out of your heart, and the action will never happen. He said, I want you to learn to go the second mile when somebody makes you go one mile. That doesn't make any sense, but that's the law of the kingdom. He said, love your enemies. Well, I don't like that one, but I know that it's there. It doesn't come natural, does it? But he said, love your enemies. Pray for those who curse you, despitefully use you, who persecute you. Do good to them. Pray for them and bless them because that's the laws of Singapore. He said... Pray fast and give in order to be seen by the Heavenly Father and not men. And when your Father sees that you gave unto Him and fasted unto Him and prayed unto Him, He'll reward you openly for what you have done in this kingdom. He said, don't worry about provision. Provision will come your way if you put first the kingdom of God. Don't judge others unfairly. You'll be judged the same way. Judge them righteously, and that's what will happen to you. That's the laws of the kingdom. And on and on it goes. This is your manual for living. Read it, love it, enjoy it, and most of all, do it. And what are you going to experience? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Kingdom living. Amen. I'll close with this. I got so taken with Jesus' words. In Matthew 7, he closed the Sermon on the Mount with these words. He says, Whoever hears these sayings of mine, the red ink, the Sermon on the Mount, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'm going to liken him unto a wise man who built his house on a rock foundation. And the rain fell, and the floods rose, and the winds blew, and that house underwent a stress test. And it says it did not fall. Why? Because Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Everybody in here is hearing this. I hope everybody in here does this. Because it's those who do it who when the stress test hits your life. He didn't say if, he said when it comes. When that job goes away, 
when the finances fall through, when your children go crazy, when your marriage gets in trouble, when the stresses of life build up in a perfect storm and strike the house of your faith, whoever hears these sayings of mine and puts them into daily practice, that's a wise man. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and then does not practice them is a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the same rain fell, same floods came, same winds beat on their house, that beat on the other house, and it says it crashed, it fell. Why? Because it was built on sand, your own thinking, your own philosophy, the ways of the world, the ways of that old dark kingdom. It was built on the sand, and it says great was its fall. Everybody heard it crash. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Can we stand together? If everybody in this church would do this, do you know that we would be in a revival? You know what would happen if you did this, if I did this all the time, if we really did this? Do you want the kingdom of God? You're in it. You might as well enjoy it. Make it first. Do what he said. Father, thank you for your word. Can we bow for a moment of prayer? There are some in here who maybe have never been translated from that kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear son. It happened to me many, many years ago in juvenile home. I was locked up and in big trouble. And I heard the gospel and was handed that passport for the first time in my life. And I took that passport. And I found radical change coming into my life maybe you've never taken that passport I'm offering it to you right now Jesus is offering you that passport would you like to take it today you say Pastor Jeff I don't I'm not sure if I've ever done it or not but I want to be certain I've been moved from one kingdom into that new kingdom can I see your hands today Say, pray for me. I will let you pray with me. I'm not going to call you down. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I see you and I see you. Say, I, I want to take that passport. I want to be changed. Bless you. Way back there, God bless you. And back there, God bless you. Many people. What I'm going to do right now, we're going to say a prayer. And everybody here is welcome to say it with me. But the most important thing that could happen in church today is somebody takes that passport and is removed from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. So say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. If you raise your hand, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be delivered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear Son. I receive Jesus Christ 
as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord, come into my heart. I receive you. Amen. Now let me pray for everyone here. Father, I pray that you will help us to walk in the wisdom of the kingdom that we have been placed in, to read the scriptures, to know how to move in it, how to live according to kingdom principle, and obey that word, to release the life and the blessings of the kingdom onto our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him a hand of praise today? Amen. Thank you, Lord.